The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back to Legit Bat Podcast. We have uh, Mr. Charlie Robinson on again today. I think this is his fourth time on the show. Always a good time with this guy. He knows his stuff, and it doesn't even matter what we're talking about. He can. He's just got such a wide range of knowledge about everything. We talked about. Uh, started out with talking about real estate, actually, and then kind of morphed into Bill Gates, George Soros, and then the militarization of the police and everything that involves. But uh, you can find Charlie at Macroaggressions on Twitter. You can find his books on Amazon, The Octopus of Global Control, and The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. Definitely check this dude out. Love him. One of our favorite guests. And we will see you guys next time. than selling houses especially if you can't even sell houses like i've got people that want to buy an apartment complex i got a guy that wants to buy a house i can't find them i can't find them what they're looking for and they've yeah. got money they're like oh how much longer like i don't know i have to that's punch a, that's a hard lady situation get you into the front of the line in some house and i mean i'll do it too if i have to so the real estate's crazy crazy everywhere it's not just california huh yeah, yeah, it's cra- yeah, it's crazy everywhere, and especially in Vegas because a lot of people from Southern California are like, "We're out." Yeah, I'm coming to Vegas. Yeah, we're gonna uh, pull a Rogan. I'm done with this uh, lockdowns or Newsom and all of this, you know, the taxes. Oh, you want to do? You want to increase the state tax and, and make it even higher? I'm, remind me why I'm staying here and paying all this stuff. So Californians are leaving and going to Vegas and driving up the prices like crazy. Why are we wow. staying here? Oh yeah, because the weather is way better than like the rest of the country, but you pay for it so. <laughs> Yeah, you pay, exactly. You pay for it. You pay it's for not it just taxes. Vegas either. I mean, it's basically all over the place minus Oregon. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. They're going to Idaho, I'm in Texas. Denver, and it's happening. It's happening in Denver too. Mm-hmm. You know, people are like coming in over. People are I- flooding to Montana and Idaho, Wyoming, uh, Arizona. Some people even over in New Mexico. Uh, yeah, Nevada. Well, a couple too, years like, ago, I would have thought uh, Idaho would be a good shot, but so many people took off yep. out of California to Idaho, yep. and then mm-hmm. one of our friends moved to. Didn't he move to Wyoming, Ben Huff? Yeah, he mm-hmm. moved to Wyoming. Yeah, so there's people just mass migrating the fuck out of here, but the prices are still insane. We bought a house last year, Thank and God. on Zillow at yeah. least, it, the the Zestimate, you know, it showed mm-hmm. like, was it 50 grand more than we paid? 
Was right it the, now or it's 273. This estimate was 215 last year. We paid 248, and right now it's at 273. Yeah, it's insanity. It, it appraised at 260 as is. We haven't even been here for a it. year. We bought it for 248, so it was a good deal. Yeah, yeah, that's it. it it's cra- there's there's so much um, there's so much demand right now. It's <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit unsustainable you know i was uh, there when they the last time we had a big boom and a big bust and um i remember when the banks came in i remember in 2011 when the banks were like oh yeah what what do we have here what can we buy and they were just buying the people were sending them i knew guys that were reo you know dealers they're, they're dealing foreclosed houses and they would send the spreadsheet over and they and goldman sachs would just go we'll take that whole row that whole, and they're like do you Holy see shit. the houses Holy they're shit. like we don't we don't see houses we'll just, <laughs> yeah. we'll don't take care. all of them we just wow. see numbers on a spreadsheet we'll take it Holy shit. we see numbers on a spreadsheet well didn't Which bank of good, america get in, some... in a couple haunted houses in that big mitt mit mix yeah. and get rid of them you're like hey, <laughs> get rid of this one this one used to be a hoarder's house so throw that pretty one sure there. this one had an exorcist in it <laughs> for sure for sure they're buying this one this is right up goldman sachs's alley we're going to give them the one with with the 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 firm former crack house the uh right, one the where there was a mass murder in it and the one built on an Indian burial ground. That's selling yes. to Goldman Sachs. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get money. <laughs> it's like that meme. It's like all this shit happening in the U.S. It's almost as if we built everything on old Indian burial grounds. Oh wait, right. Yeah. <laughs> the whole country is. That's exactly right. But it was it was it was rough for for people that were just wanting to be like you know just normal people that wanted to buy houses and they were like oh okay well it's 2011 and thing prices are lower so I'm gonna come in here and buy a house no you're not you're not gonna be able to get this from the banks the the banks will get it before it even goes on the market so yeah that I didn't love um, were and you I'm sure we'll see it again were you into the oh. industry during like the 2004 to 2006 real estate boom. So during that time frame, my parents, who had purchased their house in 93, um, they bought it for, I think they said, $96,000. Um, and it's a cookie-cutter rectangle, 3-2, and, um, but it's on two acres right outside the city limits. And mm-hmm. during 2004 to 2006, they got it appraised, and it was for like 350000 just because of the location and everything. Um, we had those fires a couple of years ago. And that mm-hmm. destroyed a lot of the property. And during that time, they had started building two brand new subdivisions just down the street from my parents. So that raised the property value. The fact that they had two acres when not even the uh, subdivision right across the street from them, none of them had that amount of property. And my parents were really looking at selling it. And now they look back and they're all, we were younger, we should have sold it, <laughs> and we didn't. <laughs> I'm well, like, this no. estimate yeah. on it right now is 332 for theirs? Yeah. Yeah, they have a second on it, though, too, so... Yeah. Well, and that was... Yeah, I mean, 2004, when they got the estimate, that's 17 years ago, and it was yeah. still, like, 350000 at that point. They were stoked. I'm like, yeah, you guys should have done it, because as soon as it crashed, it was buyer's market. But yeah. didn't uh, didn't Bank of America especially get in some trouble for foreclosing on people during, uh, I think it was that same time frame? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing something yeah. about that. I was a process server at the time, so we, we did a lot Ooh. of uh, unlawful detainer evictions and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and almost all of them were from Bank of America. And then a couple of years later, it came out that they were like uh, doing it a little too swiftly, maybe, and just plucking well, houses up a, everywhere. I'm about to take my NMLS license test on the 27th, and that's nice. where... So from 
that stuff happening, it was a lot of like predatory lending stuff that I'm learning about from that. That's why people got foreclosed on because they were like getting loans with nothing. They were just like, oh, yeah. okay, this is what your income is. I'll believe you. You can have a house. Yeah, they were just and, sending loans out to everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw the craziest shit I've ever seen. It, it, during I, I started in two, December of 2003 in Las Vegas in new home sales. Um, my first month or my first quarter in sales there, I sold $13.3 million worth of $200,000 houses. Wow. I sold 12 in one day. <laughs> Holy shit. It was shit. insane. And, um, and then we, we were pumping up the prices and then we got, we pumped them up too much because we were the home builder. We were the builder. We could, we put a little sticker on the price sheet said 5% price up, uh, increase coming two weeks from now. And so everyone's like, I got to get in now. So it was just fueling it with investors. We pumped it up so high that people stopped buying. So we then lowered the price by 20% and, uh, and went back to all the people that were in the pipeline, you know, having their homes built. So we're going to give you the lower price. They're like, great. Except that all my people were investors and they were like, I don't want the lower price. I want, I, I thought I got it at the lower price and now you're going to sell it. I thought I paid 300 when oh. I bought it, when it was just a dirt lot and you were going to build it. And now it's going for 450 or 500. I, I, I want what you promised me. I said, listen, this what I'm trying to tell you is that at 500,000, nobody's buying your house. So if you think you're going to close on it once it's finished construction and then flip it, you're going to find that you're, you're screwed. So then they're like, they lowered the price retroactively and all of my investors uh, canceled. I had 33 deals in escrow and 30 of them canceled. So oh, all those homes fuck. that I sold, I had to sell again. I just, it oh. was just like, this is so, so they That's were horrible. manipulating the pricing. The builders were manipulating the pricing. The appraisers didn't know what to make of it. Um, there were so many people buying with cash that was setting like they, they buy it and then it would set a sales price there. Then the bank, banks were like, we don't even know what to make of this. And then they had all these crazy loan, you know, no income loans like you're talking yeah. about. Stated and people income, were buying that. Oh, there was so much. I mean, it, there was so much gambling going on in general. But mm -hmm. in Las Vegas, that gambler mentality and you're seeing real estate, it brought out the shadiest people I've ever met. Um some of the worst people I've ever interacted with were our real estate investors in Las Vegas. Just some real, especially oh, they're just slimy. Oh, they're yeah. the worst. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> they're like the smarter know. used car salesman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because one of the, the land investors I dealt with was a guy who had a hundred million dollars worth of land, the worst human being still to this day in my life, the worst <laughs> human being I've ever met. He went to prison for rolling back car odometers in a used car lot that he owned. So that's the type of guy I was Wow. Talking. A guy that would go what to prison fuck. for rolling back odometers, you know? So, Damn. yeah. So when you say used car salesman, I mean, you, you, you're right. Boink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the funny thing is, he too, was is a that. Dirty used car salesman. It, that kind of mentality, you can smell them from a mile away, where it's like, that's it's the reason why a used car salesman is what people compare it to. Because you can just see those people and you go, Ugh. well, even that's even... exactly how I felt every time I got around him. He had, he had bought, he was a, a boxer back like when he was younger and he had boxer energy where he kind of walked around and kind of stalked around, you know, and he, like, like he was in the, in, in the ring kind of. You're all, sizing. what are you doing? 
take a step like a little cl- a little too close to you you know and just to try and intimidate you he's like sack of shit <laughs> get a call one day and they're like hey did you hear he died you know the guy he died uh, from a heroin overdose i said good i hope he's good they're like, they're like what? well i can't believe you're saying that i'm like have you ever done a deal with the guy the guy was a scumbag he told me he'd kick he said he's going to cancel all he bought seven houses for me he said he was going to cancel all seven of them unless i kicked back half my commission to him so i remember i was on the phone and i had my sales manager in front of me who doesn't know what the Holy conversation shit. is happening on the other end. and I, I he hears me on the phone and i'm going i go then you know what you're gonna you want to cancel all the deal then go fuck yourself then and I hung up and he was like <laughs> oh my god i can't believe you said that to your customer i go it's dave sass he goes oh <laughs> well he died so we don't have to bleep out his name dave he sass died. you're a piece yeah. of shit rest in pieces oh my god <laughs> <Piece of shit>. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's that's it worst you know a, you know a guy who who calls up old ladies has his team cold call old ladies that own land and tell them uh and lie to them about the value of their land to get them to sell it to them cheaper wow. than, than the going rate that type that type of guy that's the type Jesus. of guy you were dealing with that's fucked up i think that's that that whole market has a lot of those land, but always but wanted some lowly guy like me at the bottom of the you know at the food chain at some big builder uh wanting me to kick back half my commission to him while he's sitting on a hundred million dollars or else he'll cancel and screw up my de- all my deals it's like Fuck you. No. So there's there's people yeah. like that at that level, and then you get people like Bill Gates, who's like the largest landholder in the U.S. now. Yeah. So you imagine he's got to be a piece of shit too, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just I by that, imagine. just by that metric. <laughs> I think to call Bill Gates a piece of shit is an understatement. I think that's very uh, nice. And, and I don't think that he needs to just be – I don't think he got his reputation – just by his land holdings. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, that's just one piece into, of it. If, you know, like they they made these mutual funds um, that were like vice mutual funds. It was like tobacco companies, alcohol companies, um, casino companies. They put them all in like one mutual fund. It was like you could buy shares in that, and you'd be like, "Oh, I want, I want that." Bill Gates has like a mutual fund of evil where he's like the largest shareholder in Monsanto. Uh, obviously Microsoft is, a, is demonic in, in what they're into. Um, he's a, a, a huge, you know, obviously he was in, investing money with Epstein. I mean, he, if there was, if there were creeps and uh, psychopaths raising money, Bill Gates put money into it. You know, he, he, that's, that's where he, that, that's his area well, now, of expertise. Now he's got and has had his hands in pharmaceuticals and everything else for so long now that it's like, you know that you know that with the amount of money he is capable of tossing around to get whatever the fuck it is that he wants, he's got to be doing some evil shit. There's no, there's no, there's no, like you can't but, get away from. But that. he wears that little sweater vest, and he's just a little yeah, nerd. He's, I got a sweater on. How I can't be he just that. Wants I, to I mean, save everyone's life. And, right? and that laugh, the the laugh he does <laughs> when he's talking about the vaccines. He, you can. He's like, he can he's barely like contain himself. He's just like, Ugh. he's so excited for the population. Killing to people. Yeah, I was say, like a Nazi scientist. He's like, oh, wunderbar. What do we have? Well, the thing that blows me away is I had a coworker that's. I mean, he's he's obviously super into uh, the mainstream narrative because he he can't wait to get the vaccine. But Ew. he he talked about Bill Gates like he was the nicest dude he's like he gives away a lot of his money and i'm like okay i'm just not gonna even have this conversation with you because 
Well, that that from the same guy that used to create problems in Microsoft so that he could create the solution. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a. I mean, you wonder why he got into vaccines. Of course, he he has a he has a lot of experience creating viruses, for you know from or having having buggy software with viruses that need to be fixed and constantly keeping, um, you know, keeping people hooked by offering them a, the new solution to the virus for oh, yeah. his, his software. But I think it's also important for people that, you know, there, there's been a lot of uh, attention lately about how Bill Gates is, is, has taken large ownership stakes in, in farmland and all of this uh, productive real estate. But I think what doesn't get mentioned as much in conjunction with that is the fact that he's the one that financed the Svalsvard seed vault in Norway which is holding all of the organic actual seeds, uh, millions and millions and millions of them in this seed vault in Norway, which was co-financed by Syngenta and Monsanto and Bill Gates and, this, and the government of Norway, but he put the money up for it. So, so, you know, it's GMO seeds and GMO foods and bugs for the rest of us, but it's actual seeds that have been stored away in an ark in you know 1100 miles uh, 1100 kilometers south of the north pole wow. that was financed by that maniac so what do you think the end goal is with that is like what is the point of having that are they waiting for all of us uh plebs to die off so that they can reseed the earth with actual food i think so i mean i think i think that it he's gonna it's like reset. heads he wins tails you lose. I mean, so if you, if, if it's just, if you know, he's gotten his, his Monsanto holdings, which make GMO foods. So they'll sell that to you, which does two things. It, 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 it destroys human beings health. Um, the, the tests of GMOs that were um, GMO foods that were fed to rats in 50% of the rats, they develop massive tumors, not wow. 5%, 50%. They develop tumors from it. Um, GMO uh, food is not safe, so he's going to make money on it because he has investments in Monsanto. The, the, the food itself is going to make you sick, and, you're, and, and when you're sick, you're going to go to Big Pharma, which, of course, he has massive investments in. Right. The solution will be vaccines, which we know he's involved in. And the real food, he's, he's buying all the farmland for himself, and he's got the real seeds um, hidden away in Norway. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, That's about as deep I, state I as you get. I see that as a recipe for disaster for us. He seems pretty stoked about it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he is. He's got duping delight big time when you watch those those interviews and you see him laughing and everything. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what liars and psychopaths do. It's a, it's yeah. a psychological term called duping delight. It's when you think you've pulled over, pulled off a big lie on everybody else and you get kind of giddy giddy about, about it. it yeah you know that's why well, he gets he can't contain himself you know that's i don't trust him just for the fact that the media pushes him so much i mean we've been we've talked about this uh, several times but just anything the media pushes a lot i'm instantly kind of uh, skeptical about well so sure it it uh is definitely worth checking out this dude uh did you listen to corbett's like five part uh series on bill gates on bill gates i saw i saw part of one of them so no i haven't seen the whole thing and the reason why i didn't watch the whole thing was because at that moment i was writing about bill gates and i've done this twice now with corbett and i saw him in mexico last year and i told him this i said um when i was writing the controlled demolition book and i yeah. was on the i got on the um 
I was on the topic. I was writing about Monsanto and Bayer uh, merging. And while I was writing that, he had just released a video about the like a match made in hell or something, Bayer Monsanto. And I started watching the the documentary a little bit while I was like writing my book. And I got kind of just next thing you know, I wasn't writing. I was just listening to it. And then I was like, oh, shit, I need to turn this off. <laughs> because now I was afraid I was going to get influenced by him. Yeah. Uh, yep. So when I saw him in Mexico, I said, um, you know, I, I told him that story. I said, I was loving, <laughs> loving your stuff, but I have to turn it off when I'm in the middle of writing because I know it's going to influence me and I don't want to, I don't want to steal your stuff. And he, yeah. goes, he goes, it's fine. If you steal it, just, just footnoted, give me credit for it. I said, <laughs> I, I most certainly will, will and have, but I also just, I know that you're, you know, light years ahead of me. So I want, I don't want to, I don't want to plagiarize. <laughs> so, so that's the reason why I didn't watch. Uh, that's the reason why I didn't watch the, the Bill Gates stuff that he put out was not because I didn't think it was interesting or accurate or any of those things. I thought quite the contrary, because I knew that if I was watching it, it was going to seep into my writing. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to copy James because his stuff is too good. It's just yeah. too good. He's too, he's too, he's got the points that you want to make. And then you watch it and you go, oh, he made it so much better than I would have made it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I, 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 two guys, James Corbett and Chris Hedges. I can't watch their stuff when I'm yeah. writing because it, it will influence me because I'm because I think it's so good. That's one dude I would love to have on our show, but I think we're not we're we're too small time for somebody <laughs> like James Corbett. But he would be. He's he's just so good at what he does. He 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 is, and 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 I like his demeanor too because he has he he's serious about it but he also the he's reserved a certain segment of himself to still laugh at how preposterous things have gotten uh and to have some fun with the mockery of these people because you know if we're not if we're not if we're not laughing at, at how insane all this stuff is my fear is that we're going to get it's just going to be like too heavy and like we're going to get yeah, crushed exactly under all the say. seriousness of it all. It, it does so, every once in a while too. And, and it's tough to find that balancing act between like being respectful of the content because it's serious and it like right. affects us and then laughing at it because we're, we're joking about saying, well, why don't you wear two masks? Why don't you wear <laughs> three masks? And then you see an article coming out saying, yeah, oh, Fauci says wear two masks. And you're like, I, I, how can you not laugh at this? Yeah, you can't write this to. stuff. <laughs> or stick a, stick a swab up your butthole because, you know, the, right, the COVID's right? living there, you, too. You, 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 knew, you, you knew that if you just took this joke to its logical conclusion, it would end with you, well, why don't you just swab my asshole and find out if I have COVID? But China's like, we're on it. it. <laughs> because, because China comes out and they start talking about it and you're like, okay, either we're living in some version of a cartoon, which is a hundred percent possible. Highly likely. Uh, or, or they're fucking with us, right? Like I think they're it's both. laughing at this. <laughs> they're definitely they're fucking yeah, with exactly. us. I think, I think that we live in a cartoon they know it. And they're like, watch these fucking idiots. We're going to tell watch. them to swab their assholes and they're going to do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, we live in a cartoon and during the riots, who, which company provided all those bricks that just showed up on the corner? The Acme Brick Company, like <laughs> it's straight a cartoon. out of Roadrunner and, and, no. yeah. and Coyote, with the little like with the little sign on it, like you're, you use yes, these exactly. It was Boom. like Acme bricks. Boom. I was like, oh shit, man! When the when the Roadrunners involved, you know that it's serious. 
I would, I would actually not be surprised at all. Uh, I would go to one of those riots in a Roadrunner costume and just beep me and <laughs> run. Now, meep, meep. And just make sure you don't get hit with an anvil. I was, yeah. <laughs> Right, from falling out of the sky. The classic falling anvil. Off the, off the roof. Or a, a yeah. cement umbrella that says Acme on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's defi- they're uh, definitely fucking with us. Like, some of this stuff you just couldn't make up unless you were right. joking. So, th- yeah, this right. whole last year has been the biggest gaslighting, you know, I don't even know what you'd the, the, call it. The, the, the greatest uh, justification for simulation theory ever was 2020. Yeah. You, know, you just go, <laughs> I mean, exhibit A, 2020. I mean, fucking murder hornets and all kinds of crazy stuff coming our way. I mean, how That never explain? panned out. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I feel. Like I was kind of hoping it did. Well, I, I think that they were seeding the ground for the next there. story should they have run out of something. And then when they realized they still had more content, they're like, yeah, I just backshelf that. It's not real anyway. Yeah. They have these yeah. think tanks that, you know, are sitting around in a conference room just going, what next? Well, yeah, Murder just, Hornets? Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like a, uh, It's just yeah. like a commercial pitch. They're all sitting around there going like, all right, guys. So we went through the riots. Uh, we went through Soleimani. Uh, we've kind of been done with Syria for a little bit here. Uh, we still, we're still good on COVID. Okay, good. Yeah, keep pushing that one from that side. Uh, it's still what working. Else are we so, gonna bring up here. Oh, the murder hornets. Hey, yeah, you can backshelf it. We should have bugs. Bugs that come and kill everybody, like locusts. Yeah, locusts are so played out. What if we had like bees, killer bees? Well, we've already done killer. I've got it. Murder hornets. Not TM. Bees, murder hornets. <laughs> and it's they come. Proof. Yeah, and they come all the way down from this area, and now they're fi- and now they're being si- Oh, and it could be creepy. Like. You know that they're like painting this picture for it and then it ends up selling. Well, the whole, the whole murder hornet thing reminded me of like a failed marketing campaign Yeah, because they like pushed (laughs) it and pushed it and then nothing ever happened and everyone just kind of stopped talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, kind of like Epstein killing himself. Oh yeah. That's been quiet for a while. (laughs) Something happened right after the murder hornets. I can't remember. Something, something stole the light from the murder hornets. Uh, George Floyd, wasn't it? Of 2020. (laughs) They came out and everybody sort of soundly denied their existence. And then they went, okay, never mind. We'll go back to the old, old stuff. Uh, Wear two masks. (laughs) Maybe too soon on the murder hornets. We'll try that in 2021. So yeah, besides Bill Gates, I do you know much about George Soros? Uh, I assume in your research you've come across him several times. I don't know a whole lot. I just know he's a piece of shit. Uh, and he funds yeah. a lot of bad stuff. Ties to Nazis party. and he funds a bunch of bullshit like BLM. But do you know any like actual like what yeah, who this he, dude is? He's a, a current. I mean, he made his fortune as a currency manipulator, a currency right. trader, which is easy to do when you know the direction the currencies prices are going to go um you know and and so he he made a lot of money in the uk by manipulating the british pound and um and and of course that can be a cover story too because because a lot of times these guys sort of have have a you know financial background and they where they made all their money or something shell companies it's it's kind of like epstein like you know it's kind of a kind of a cover story you know you it's it's not you know sometimes they're just here's money your job is to deploy this a certain way um george soros is a is a is a social engineer and a color revolution specialist and uh what we saw you know what we've seen over the years has been his involvement in the orange revolution the rose revolution purple revolution and i would suggest that um in 2020 what we saw was the black revolution 
yeah. Black Lives Matter revolution funded by George Soros. It was as it was as artificial as the rest of his movements. Well, uh, I was actually going to ask you about that when it came to the Acme bricks, because I had heard a rumor that George Soros was the one that was pumping the money to fund those bricks getting delivered um, as kind of like his one of his pawns in his great game of chess. Um, the BLM and Antifa movements that were uh, doing the counter protesting to kind of seed out and try to you know, aggregate um, the other side when they would have counter protests and stuff. Um, the videos and clips and stuff that you see of the bricks getting delivered by cops um, to these uh, riots and stuff. I had heard a rumor that that was partially funded by George Soros to kind of be like, okay, let the battle begin. Let's yeah, give him a I weapon. Be I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's he's financing those groups, and then those groups are in charge of of, right. of putting the materials together. So, did George Soros go, go down to the hardware store and, and just say, "Put it on my credit card"? Probably not. <laughs> but his the money that he gave to those organizations, no doubt, was was involved in the in the purchasing of that, and that's that's what he does. That's well, what he, he probably he, would get off on going to the hardware store himself, but he's old as shit now. So he's all right, and they all are. Yeah, that's only the yeah, one good thing about some of these guys. They're so old, they're going to croak off soon. You hope, well, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Soros is old and, and but but look at Henry Kissinger. Have you ever seen a 96 year old guy that fat? I never have. What's keeping this guy alive? Baby's blood? For sure. <laughs> Adrenochrome. It's not his gym routine. I'll tell you that. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's not his uh, diet. You know. Yeah, Dick Cheney's had what seven hearts. You know, these guys get David Rockefeller went through a bunch of hearts, so they're, they've got access to organs. They've got access to crazy technology that probably we've never seen medical wise. So they keeps them alive for a little bit longer. They're darkness, though. You know, dark guys. They look evil when you oh, see yeah. them. I mean, you look at Prince Philip. Look at Prince Philip, and you tell me it, you're surprised by the fact that that guy says when he dies, he wants to be reincarnated as a deadly virus so that he can reduce the world's population. I mean, he he looks like a deadly virus right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So does Cuomo. Cuomo looks like a fucking old gargoyle or something, and that, dude, that yeah, dude's yeah, starting man. to go I down, think, though. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Well, I think but, because but he there, finally ran uh, out of his use. There's a vibe, you know, they all have that that look to them, yeah. that uh, ghoulish, uh, unhealthy look. And they just keep living forever and ever and ever. And George Soros is 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 in that in that club, man. He his job is to destabilize, you know, and to pay pay for these groups to rise up and 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 create uh, havoc and everything. But, you know, what what Antifa fails to to realize, um, because they're they're most definitely not playing 3d chess they're lucky if they're playing checkers um <laughs> is that if they if they were smart and they understood their history they would realize that they're walking into a gigantic trap because in in the 30s the late 30s or in the, in the mid 30s when hitler was coming to power mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he had a group a lot like antifa called the brown shirts and their job was to go out in the streets and cause problems and create havoc and light buildings on fire and, and mess with the jews and and mess with the the gypsies and mess with the uh you know just go out there and just be a real pain in the ass and social instability yep create this instability but what the what the brown shirts didn't know what they didn't realize was that Hitler was growing a parallel organization, the SS, that he did not mention and did not tell them about. And when the brown shirts were done with what he needed them to do, he took the SS and said, 
go get them take them out mm -hmm. and they wiped sense. out the brown shirts so antifa is the brown shirts and they don't realize that the ss is being brought up alongside them and when the time is right they will all be wiped out but they don't know that because they're dumb and all they know is that they're they have purple hair and that they think that they're starting a revolution they're not they they're can not barely even to... hold bricks have you seen some of Everybody's... these guys they, they're scrawny when you, have to, when you when you're so limp-wristed and weak that you have to underhand your molotov cocktails you you are not a good revolution they're they're you know granny I mean? shotting their their molotov cocktails they're like all right let's see if we can get it close to the I basket know. it's lamar luttrell out there with their throwing their javelin you know trying to get, to, uh, trying to get it at that cop car fuck well, you fascist and no they don't know where this is well, headed. it's it's not good for them but like but that's fine the, because they, like they, the, they they you know the antifa like clubs and uh, camps that they do out in the woods where they're doing training and uh <laughs> They, they all, like, take their picture afterwards, and they're all, like, at the camera, but they're all wearing, like, plaid shirts and their purple hair and their skinny jeans, and it's like, what is your resistance going to be? All those limp no, They're going to be easy to like, wipe out, is the point. <laughs> for, everybody, for everybody that doesn't want to pull a gun that has one, you're not going to stand for very long, but, like, no. I think your brown shirt analogy is pretty fucking spot on. Like yeah, and they're just out there getting attention. They 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 are they are being used, and they don't realize they're being used because they're just so happy to, that somebody's paying attention to them and yes. giving them the. <laughs> the Antifa I have virtue is, signaled for so long. I'm finally getting the attention I deserve. Right. Yeah. We're gonna change things. We want. We want. Uh, fuck the patriarchy. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means no more men in control. Okay. Elaborate. Uh, I've got nothing. Of course, you have nothing. These, these, these are not revolutionaries. These are not, these are morons. These are LARPing retards. They're <laughs> pretending to be revolutionaries. They think that they're wearing their Che Guevara shirts and they think that they're hardcore, but they don't even understand where they are, no. where they're, what their role is in this whole thing. They are, they are on the, on the global chessboard that Zbigniew Brzezinski talks about. They are the pawns. They're the oh, first yeah. ones to get taken out. And they, and they're just so happy that they're in the game that they don't even care. You gotta love, you gotta love the, uh, you know, stereotypical pink or purple hair, flock of seagull haircuts, uh, out there talking about and screaming at any white person that walks by that they have no idea what suffering is and all of this. And then it's like, okay, but if I don't, neither do you. You realize that you are standing on a soapbox that is not going to last that you are also part of. Like, I, I understand where people are talking about that in some instances, but you're literally saying that about your own demographic. Like... Why? Why are you? Why are you trying to come out here and say all of these things? They don't see themselves like, as being in that demographic, though, because they, they are so right. uh, on a different moral well, level. You know, that, they may have renounced their white privilege. You know, right? In yeah. One of those group settings on their knees. <laughs> we just talked about this on the last show about how people you can piss people off by doing literally nothing. Uh, yeah, that's a response. <laughs> yeah, th that type is that they want you to you know proactively virtue signal and be like, hey. I denounce my white privilege. I, I support BLM. And if you don't do that, then you must be a racist. So you can literally be called a racist for doing absolutely nothing. That's exactly what we talked about on our last episode. Yeah, yeah that's what I was saying. Yeah, like it's the idea that they have divided us so hard that you can't step out, which is, in my opinion, I would say 
60 to 70 percent of the people in America are, are actually less than that. You know, you're talking about the two percenters and the very, uh, the very, the very fringes, uh, yeah. extreme groups. And it's like, yeah, the majority of people that we know would prefer to stand back and be like, I got nothing to do with any of this. Y'all figure your shit out. And if you do that, the idea that you aren't supporting BLM initially, immediately, they're like, oh, you're a racist. You're this, yeah. that, and the other. You're fa-. And it's like, no, I just don't like drama. And this is fucking dumb. <laughs> Yeah, I just, uh, I just, my episode of my show that just came out this morning uh, is an interview with Hotep Jesus. And he oh, and I nice. talked about BLM. We had a good talk about them. Uh, it's a shakedown. It's a shakedown mm-hmm. operation. First of all, it's not, it's run by two Marxist ladies that are avowed Marxists. I mean, they that are probably said, witches this is, too. This is what we believe in. <laughs> that they've got Susan Rosenberg, their head of finance, who is a convicted terrorist she was blowing up buildings in the 70s i mean she did she did almost two decades in prison she's not like a a make-believe terrorist she's an actual one a convicted (laughs) one this is who's running blm the organization you know and and uh and and what they do is they go around to big corporations and they say we're blm um you know would you like to support us? And the corporations go, mm, I don't know. And then they say, it'd be a nice flower shop you have here. It'd be a shame if something bad happened to it. Nike, NBA, yeah. wink, wink. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, okay. Well, uh, we support Black Lives Matter. Here's some money. Uh, just leave us alone. You know, just yeah. don't burn down our business. And that's, that's that, a uh, shakedown. Gang protection yeah. philosophy. You're on my block. You will pay me what is owed me in my space. And in return, I give you my protection where it's like, but you also don't have an option. Not even necessarily protection, just we won't completely destroy you if you pay us. Yes, it's it's the worst kind of blackmail. It's awful. Right, right. And and he and I were, Brian, uh, Hotep Jesus and I were, um, we were talking about how that's not that's not helping the black community. No, I mean, that's not that's doing a total disservice. But because please. I'd love for someone to enlighten me. What has BLM done with all the money they've collected? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have they fund school funded schools? Have they have they done any? What are they doing with this money? Where's it have, going? Have they put Where's it the into account? the projects? No, 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 no. So so BLM is a is is a you know it's it's not what it appears to be. I support the black community. Yes. But that's not BLM. I don't no. I don't support BLM. Fuck them. And and I don't support Antifa and I'm not going to give the fist and 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 they can't make me. Or take the knee. I am not participating in this stuff. It's like it's like if you bow to the woke mob, you will always be bowing to them. They they will never be, they'll move the goalposts on you constantly. There's no there's no point at which they will embrace you and say, "Okay, you're we we love you. You're part of the team." It, it doesn't work like that. You give them an inch, they will take a mile. The the only strategy to use with them when they come to cancel you is say, fuck off, I'm uncancelable and I'm not participating in your collective delusion. Get out of my way, <laughs> get out of my store and 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 fuck off. I it, I'm only cancelable if I allow myself to be. But if I just if I just refuse to play that game, go you know what? I hope they come after me. Make me a star, make me a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Make my podcast a, a hundred times bigger than it is. I dare you to, yeah. please, because because this stuff is is um, you know you just have to sort of I think you just have to sort of look at them for who they really are. They're not. It's not an actual 
operation that is out there helping the black community. If it was, I'd be in favor of it. I, I have I have no beef with the black community. Quite the contrary. I, I frankly, with I, what took them so long to get pissed off about the way things are. I was at USC in 92 uh, when the Rodney King riots happened. One day it was fine. The next day, everything was on fire. And uh, so we, we've been dealing with this police brutality. And I realize it's preposterous for the whitest people in the world talking about this, but still, <laughs> we're, we're going to do it anyway, because, it, but I, I figured that after 92 with the Rodney King situation and, and, and all that, that we would at least be past the need for rioting again because now this police brutality conversation is front and center we're going to sort it all out we're going to take care of it we're going to fix it so that it isn't a big thing anymore and then moving forward we won't have this well that was thir almost 30 years ago yeah. what do we have last summer same thing police brutality riots and all that stuff so it's like that's what I'm talking to Hotep about going. So like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson, the leaders, leaders oh, and yeah. air quotes of the black community uh, started marching people, you know, they started marching people in the eighties, but really there in, in, in 92 with the riots, they started marching. Where did they go? Did they march everybody in one big gigantic circle that takes 30 years, like a orbit around to, to because they haven't solved any problems. No. We still have the same situations and it's the same leadership. Get rid of those fucking guys. Get rid of Al Sharpton. Well, He's a rat for the FBI. Um, get rid of uh, Jesse Jackson. Uh, we have real questions about Jesse Jackson in, in relation to the death of Martin Luther King. Why oh, was wow. he wearing his tie that day? Jesse Jackson's a dirty motherfucker, by the way. Just, I was, just so people yeah. realize exactly who he is. He's a dark, dark character. And I'm not talking skin color. I'm talking <laughs> soul. Okay, so th this is... Th the problem is that these 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 organic frustrations that the black community have ha, has had in the past and continue to have th these are real problems but the the problem is they who comes in as the savior it's always some flawed individual it's rodney king who has a really bad track record it's george floyd who's this symbol but god damn he has a whole lot of baggage in his past as well all these people you you, you want to celebrate because they were the victims but then you look into them and you go God, that's the wrong victim to get behind because these people have have some bad. They have a real, you know, problem with with some of the things that they, you know, their arrest records. It's like, why didn't we? I just thought I just always felt like the black community was led to use George Floyd as the catalyst to start the, to kick this whole thing off. But I would oh, have yeah. much preferred the 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 catalyst be tamir rice a 15 year old that was shot by the police two seconds after the cop pulled up on the scene literally one one thousand two one thousand bang shot him in the back as he's running away that kid should have been the catalyst that kicked this whole thing off not george right. floyd so yeah. they always pick the wrong hero too and and i think that's by design you always pick a hero they, they've Rodney King was a flawed individual with a history of being a drunk driving. You know, I'm not, and, and to be crystal clear, I'm not saying he deserved to be beaten at all. And I'm not saying that George Floyd deserved to have his, you know, to be, to be murdered as well. I'm just saying that these guys aren't clean. Their right. background is pretty messed up. George Floyd held a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach while he was robbing her. That is not the type of guy you want to make murals of. You know, or or start a GoFundMe for that they made millions of dollars on. For. Right. Yeah. So so it's like it's a it's a it's a real 
precarious position because the black community, their frustration is real and justified and, and warranted and frankly overdue in my opinion. Um, but they get these false idols inserted into the, the revolution. Well, do you, do you think that's by design though, to have their, I do to have it I misdirected like design. that? Yeah. I think I, I do think it's by design because it keeps happening and, and, and it we, doesn't help we, anything. It but doesn't I think, help. Anything. I think it not helping it anything it... is exactly the end result of the design that they're going for. Right. Because it suppresses it again, and then they wait for the next false idol, and then it doesn't happen because it's by design. Well, it's like a lot of other things. They're misdirecting it in the wrong direction so that it doesn't get pointed at the top, which is where all of this and starts fixed. anyway. Because if it got fixed, yeah. then things would be better. But if as long as they hold yeah. them down, then they have a problem that they can continue misdirecting people about in a direction, BLM, Antifa, so on and so forth. Yep. Um, yep. yep. And it's and, and, and the key component is there has to be genuine, real, organic frustration. Yes. And there is. And there is. Uh, and there, there was in 92 with Rodney King. There was yep. with George Floyd. There was authentic, real pain, anger, and a desire for change. That stuff hasn't, hasn't, that that didn't need to be manipulated that was really there the problem is once once the incident occurs the the person that that is the spark for it yeah. man it always yeah. just seems to be sort of a flawed individual you know well and, and i think that not the good not necessarily the good guy because it, this is the thing in my opinion the thing in my opinion is i don't really think that they give a shit who the hero is until that platform has been given to said hero for them to jump on the bandwagon for because as soon as that situation got so much attention that was when people who i had never heard speak against this or about this issue suddenly were very vocal about it and it was like okay but i didn't hear you say anything during B brianna taylor i didn't hear you say anything during this that and the other but now now that it's frontline worldwide now you guys are saying all of this where was your support before when it was just as bad, but you didn't right. have that news article. Exactly. That's it. it. It provides them cover to then be brave. Well, be brave yes. when Eric Garner's getting choked so out. So brave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Be, be brave when, when, when uh, Tamir Rice is being shot. You know, that, yeah. that's a time when, when you should have seen the same level of frustration, but, but, it may, but it goes to the fact that I feel like it's coordinated because, because, um, who, who, who make, who like just for your soul, what makes you sicker to see a 15 year old kid get shot in the back that who's running away from a, the cop after two, two seconds of being on scene or, um, you know, like a, a 35 year old guy who's high on fentanyl getting choked out by a cop, both bad, but the child, uh, component should have been the more emotional one, but it wasn't used. That one yeah. was suppressed and they pretended like it wasn't there. They went with George Floyd. Why? Why George Floyd over Tamir Rice? Why? Because the media I mean, pushed it. Why over Breonna Taylor though? even? Everyone was there recording the George Floyd thing. They all had it on their phones. It's like the media came in and had to do something about it to explain mm. it and make yeah. it seem like the cops were horrible because everyone had it recorded. And they were like, look at yeah. this. Watch. This is a live murder. The cops are killing him. And yeah. I, I don't know how many people recorded the other ones, but when everyone has well, their phones they, out, everyone many. has to step in. It, it, it was on the police. Uh, it was on dash cam video of, yeah. of, of the of the 
cop yeah, role. It's, it wasn't like it wasn't like a crowded thing with a bunch of people with cell phones. It was once the dash cam video got released, it's like, holy shit, that cop rolled up on the scene and in two seconds got out of his gun, drew, uh, got out of his car, drew his gun and shot a kid in the back who was running away from him as fast as he could. Yeah, it's insanity. Hard to hard to justify that. Um, so, the, so that's I'm glad you brought up the how many people recorded the George Floyd thing too because I, I can't remember it might have been on prop report but uh, they were talking about how there's a lot of uh, inconsistencies in all the uh, date and time stamps on the George Floyd thing have you have uh, you looked into that at all there's a lot of no, wonky I shit I'm, no but I God like why am I not surprised yeah right it could be, but then everyone's I don't know. Phones could be fucked up too. No, it had to, there was other things too. Like there was, was at the time that it happened, there would have been a lot more people wearing masks because of the COVID shit, but there was hardly any. There, oh, there's a like there's the a lot of weird movies. shit. If you're looking at, it, you could probably do a whole show just on the inconsistency. Uh, inconsistency that I can't talk right now. Jesus Christ. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you have to get your sundial out and make sure. See, was the angle of the sun at this right? particular time? <laughs> yeah, to, exactly. Like, out if they. If they filmed it like four months earlier or something, you know what I mean? I don't know. But that is I, the I just, the thing that they had so many people recording it. That's media fodder to be like, look, it's right here. You that's can why see I it. I think that was the chosen hero of BLM right. because right. Of, because people were there and saw it. The other stories are super sad, way worse in my opinion, like you were saying. But there, it's not on ninety thousand people's phones, so yeah. there's no reason to make a big deal out of it. You have to do something. Well, I think the, the media felt like that. Yeah, exactly. I think that the news being the the media being the way that it is, they would have had serious backlash had they not have covered it to the extent that they did because there was so much cell phone footage. Yeah, that's that what it, I was saying when you were gone. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. It sort of forced their hand into yes. it. Yeah. Which is another yeah. bizarre thing that people were standing around with their fucking phones out recording this as it happened instead, instead of, of it or doing going, hey, yeah. what, what are you doing? Well, that's, that's what a... made Rodney King so such an anomaly was the fact that it was 90, 91 when right. he when that happened. And, and the guy was just had a camera video camera like over his back wall and he was filming it, which was a totally lucky break because nobody it wasn't it was before cell phones. Mm-hmm. And, and you literally had to be have a video camera yeah. with yeah. you One of the shoulder with a VHS and in this it. guy did. <laughs> and so he you know, it turned out to be just a lucky break. And I think a lot of people saw that as. Uh, and especially in the black community, which was, see, now, now do you see what we're talking about here? And I think a lot of the white community was like, dang, we, we might have thought that you were exaggerating a little, but embellishing and yeah. exaggerating or making something out of nothing. I mean, I, I, I don't know why people would, would assume that, but let's just say that they thought that the black community was embellishing it a little bit. After seeing Rodney King, they were like, okay. Okay, that's yeah, real. We get it. That is at least in that scenario, it's real, and we can see what happens when the police think that nobody's watching, and they get the batons out and just go turn him into a pinata, and and then and then what? Do they go to prison? Do they go? Do they? No, no, they don't, because that's the system that's set up. So right. this is like, you know, th- there's also uh, this is an indictment on. Um, the police's training programs, the police's 1033 program, which recycles in military hardware. I mean, it's recycled in over $12 billion worth of military hardware. And the way the program works, it started in 1970, uh, 1997 under Bill Clinton. And he said that if the, the, the military was done with this hardware and they were going to get rid of it, 
however that however they classified that i'm not i don't know the exact details what the criteria was for getting rid of it but when they did that the police forces just needed to submit um a request for it and then they had to pay for shipping and handling of whatever so if it was like you know night vision goggles or m203 grenade launchers which they recycled back or assault weapons which they recycled over eighty thousand of them into the police force you know so you you, it 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 creates a a question of um well we have a problem with police brutality why don't we look at their training the training is insanity they have an israeli firm that comes around and trains the police officers in tactics that the israelis use on the palestinians that's not a good way to start but then it gets worse then they recycle in all of these all this military gear and you take these guys, you train them to act like a soldier, you train them to look like a soldier, you give them the equipment of a soldier, and then you put them out on the streets of America and act surprised when they act like a soldier. Like, wh- what did well, we think was going to happen? That's why, exactly why I completely stood behind uh, the statement that I thought was more accurate during that whole thing last year was that the whole defund the police I saw a a comment, I don't remember if it was from Twitter or not, but it was like, you guys do realize what defunding the police is going to do, right? That's going to make it worse. Because the more that you take away money, uh, police funding goes towards their training. You defund the police, all you're doing is sticking a regular person that has no idea how to act as a police officer in a police uniform and saying, good fucking luck. And I'm like, yeah, defunding the police is not a smart idea. At this point, then it's just civilians in cop clothes going against civilians in civilian clothes and that's just going to be complete street warfare well one of the worst parts about the defunding the police one of the ideas they had was to put uh, social workers on some of the like low low you know priority calls or whatever yeah, I that. the problem with that is that then you're going to have the cops only responding to violent uh, things yeah. Which is going to escalate the amount of cases that come out and with now police you're violence. Also talking about social workers in the line of fire, ill-equipped, not ready for that situation either. I don't think that's actually happened yet, as far as I know. I don't. I don't know if certain states have rolled that out yet, but I'm interested to see what becomes of that whole thing. I think I saw it. I think I saw that it had been. They started to roll it out in um, the UK, actually. Oh, really? Well, their cops there are already uh, basically just figureheads. They don't really do much. The cops, they don't even have guns or anything. Yeah, they don't even have guns in UK, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. well, some of them do now. Some of oh, them have really? like M5, uh, uh, some of them have submachine guns. So oh, they went from no, some of them have no guns and some of them have like military That's style guns. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I just remember Benny Hill. And, and he would tap him on the head and then run away from him, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> or go like this that, and everybody fell over. <laughs> he would, yeah, he'd grab him by the boobs and then he'd tap him on the head, <laughs> smack him on the ass and run away from him in, in, in sped up video. That's, um, oh my God. Yeah, the, the, pol- the police situation is, um, you know, is, is, is obviously it's, it's terrifying because you have, uh, you have a, a certain percentage of, cops that are that are really good that got in there for the right reasons and want to make a change and then they're stuck in a system with a bunch of maniacs that if they rat them out then they're they're done um so it it becomes difficult for the good guys to succeed when they're surrounded by a bunch of bad guys and there are a bunch of bad cops too i mean i want to be uh, you know, everyone's like, trust the police, fund the, back the blue. Fuck that, okay? <laughs> it, like, the same way I, it, it's preposterous to say believe all women. 
that's that sounds nice. That is not a, a, the the right way to operate. And that back the blue. No, no, no. How about we back the police officers that are doing the right thing? But the I'm not individuals blindly yes. say back the blue. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't blank. Well, I make a blatant statement about them because so many of the times they're they escalate the violence. They're taught to escalate the violence. This yeah. is a perfect example. I just had a conversation with my mom about this. One of our family friends that we grew up with, Ben Rasmussen. Oh yeah. Um, he had gotten into law enforcement, had wanted to since he was like 15, 16 years old. Did his um, what's it called the uh, administration of justice uh you know associates and all this stuff and he had done ride-alongs pre being 18 he had every right reason for going in and i remember him having two different stories of you know the one guy that had been uh on the force for a while and he's like you know being encouraging you know you want to make a difference you want to protect your community you know that's what we're all about the, another ride-along he got with a, another old timer but this guy was jaded and was like, you know, if you're expecting to make a difference, you're in the wrong line of work. Like two very different perspectives. Well, he ends up going through the academy and he ends up getting on, uh, I think, a, a sheriff's uh, thing. Anyway, whatever office it was that had hired him, there was so much corruption going on that they were literally getting people on their force that hadn't ever even been through the academy saying that they would put them through the academy after hiring them as police officers at a later date, never sending them to the academy. So <laughs> these guys were getting on the force in full gear without ever having been through the police academy, ever graduating it. And he stepped back and went, I don't want to be a part of that force because even though I've been through the academy, um, I don't want to work side by side with people who don't know what they're doing. And I don't want to work for an organization that's willing to employ people that don't know what they're doing. And this was just a small like office down you know, south, uh, southeast of where we're at in California. And I'm like, this is happening everywhere. Like, this isn't just his story. This just happens to be the first story that we know in our personal lives that this is happening. So I have met some great, great police officers. I have also met some sacks of shit. And it's like... Yeah. You don't know who's pulling you over. And I know no. that the, you know, the argument for it is, well, they don't know who they're pulling over either. Okay, great. That's fine. But I can give anybody the benefit of the doubt. The problem is you don't know who deserves the benefit of the doubt. So you get, you get right. the one, two punch of the, you know, the train or lack of training. And then what Charlie was talking about, the militarization of yeah. the police. Yeah. If you think yeah. about what cops look like in the seventies, compared to what they look like now they look like they're they look like Punch seal team six now i watched chips they were rode around yeah. on motorcycles and had pool parties in marina del rey yeah. <laughs> chips that was a great one <laughs> it is yeah. weird to I see mean, all the riot the gear they have blue though. hat and they were like oh how's it going no i'm here to you know how's it going there timmy you know all that stuff now how's your dog all black gear black helmet black goggles even uh machine guns flashbangs you know i mean who's the enemy here yeah, the, yeah. why who, do you need a one-man army force <laughs> trying to clear a house <laughs> by yourself <laughs> yeah it's it's so it's it's like um you know that I, I get it they have a stressful job and, and you don't know who you're pulling over i mean i'd say that they have more information about who they're pull theoretically they do if they're Definitely. running my plates and pulling me over they they can see a little bit more they know more about me than i know about who's pulling me over that's for sure yeah. i don't know what kind of bad day i mean listen the statistics speak for themselves 40% of police households have uh have uh physical abuse spousal abuse 
Wow. Usually the man towards the woman. That's a lot. That's four that's out of ten. Lot. That's a wow. that's a real stat. Um, and that and that is, I mean, Jason Bassler, who's a, a really good dude, and he does uh, policing the police um, and Free Thought Project. He's 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 a good guy to talk to about this, and he's not he's he he's he's objective about it. The problem is that even being objective, the the statistics look horrible for the police, uh, you know, for the training and things like that. And, and, and whenever, but whenever you criticize the police, then you inevitably I'll get a message from somebody that's like, I'm a cop. I've been on the force for 20 years. And I just want to tell you, they're not all bad. And some of us are really good. I get that. And I believe that. And I know that, you know, I, right. I know that it's gotta be extremely frustrating for those people that are the good cops to yes. go to work every day and be surrounded by a bunch of guys like, you know, like Harvey Keitel's character and bad Lieutenant, you know, shaking down drug dealers and jerking off in front of teenage girls on the side of the road and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, it's craziness. So you, I, I can imagine they've got a tough job, but you signed up for it. You wanted to be the cop. You get this position of power, you get this authority and um, what you do with it is kind of up to you. And if you abuse it, don't act surprised when the people don't respect you. Don't act surprised when the people floor it when you turn the lights on behind them because they don't want anything to do with you. You know, so so I, I have I have a, a little bit of sympathy for the good cops, but I also know that if they want to improve their situation, they're going to need to do something about it. And the police unions need to need to they need to take a good long look at the police unions because they enable this sort of insanity to continue. Uh, there's not a whole lot of changes going on, and 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 so it's tough it's tough to make these big pro these big um changes but you know uh we see what's happening now in california at least with the teachers that are, that are saying oh well we're sitting out and they're saying well now it's time to go back to work and the teachers are going no well i i don't love that but i'll tell you this teachers have been abused by the system for a long yep. long time and now they finally have some leverage. So if they want things to be better for teachers, they are in a position now where they can actually use the leverage of saying, we're not going back until you start paying us more and fixing these things. And I'm not talking adding COVID safety stuff because that's no. dog shit. <laughs> I'm talking about paying teachers a, a living wage. Teachers. I'm not, we're not talking offer, about gardeners. Offering we're good health care and things like that to, to the yeah. teachers. Yeah. The oh, there's no money for it. Always money to drop more missiles and uh, drop more bombs on Yemen, right? We've got money for that coming out the ass, but just can't seem to find the money to pay teachers. So, um, you know, I, I, although I, I don't think, I, I think that that whole, the teacher saying, oh, we don't want to go back to school because we're afraid that we're going to get there. But I think that that's a lie. I think that that's leverage. I think that they're trying to use that as an excuse to get things. Smart of them to want, do it. <laughs> which they should, I think. Yeah. I'm in favor of them using leverage to get what they want because they've been mistreated for a long, long time. But, um, but yeah, um, they don't have the money to pay teachers, but they can print up 1.9 trillion in a you know quote unquote stimulus. So yeah, yeah, just just out out of the blue. I mean, it it, it oh, it's such a frustrating. Well, to scenario. go back to what you were talking about about the police, uh, I remember uh, my mom when all of this started happening last year, and we started talking about police brutality, and it was on the forefront of everybody's news articles and everybody was talking about it was that she goes you know it's crazy that the difference that people that the outlook that people had when we were kids on cops and the difference in outlook that the cops had on people um if yeah. you got pulled over 
there was a legitimate concern for both of you to find out for the cop if they knew what they were doing wrong and from the person wondering what it was that they may have done wrong and she goes the whole interactions were completely different if you had a cop that came up to you and pulled you over it was like oh no i'm getting pulled over what happened <laughs> what did i do and so then the cop would come up hey do you realize how fast you were going uh, i was going this fast um well they changed the speed limits um you're now going 20 miles over i didn't know if you knew that or not oh i did not thank you so much for telling me okay yeah. and then they'd go on their way and it was an actual my mom's like i remember at least in the writing community where we're at there was a big difference the cops actually were there to inform and protect and serve and of course again this was not across the board there's always bad apples in every bunch but she was like the general outlook was that cops were there to help you out inform you protect and serve and from the police officers it really was like a hey i just wanted to let you know the speed limit changed i'm not here to get you a citation i want you to know that this is now unsafe and you should slow down and she was like the whole outlook uh, and interactions that i remember when i was a kid was just completely different well the like, yeah, the truth if that was the interactions that you got on a daily basis from the police and, and, and to be fair, that does again, happen. it does happen again. Exactly. You gotta be uh, fair. It just, it, it's just that it doesn't happen as much as it should. It, right. Instead it's, it's the cops come up to the walk up to the passenger sides mm -hmm. cause they want to see it with their hands, like on their gun, looking at you in the rear view mirror on the side view mirror and everything looking inside your car. I'll tell you one thing that, that has, has not done the police departments any favors is civil asset forfeiture. Because what that is, is that is the police department stealing all your stuff legally. Now, for, for those that aren't really as familiar with civil asset forfeiture, um, what it is, is it's, it's um, that in certain, you know, in states, they, they can, they can do, they can say license and registration, uh, you know, and then take a look at it and, and come back and they say, they look in the car and they say, is that your laptop back there? And you go, yeah. And they go, well, it looks like a laptop that was reported stolen in the area. And you go, I don't know what to tell you. It's my laptop. They go, well, it matches the description of a laptop in the area that was stolen. So we're taking it. And you go, no, you're not. And they said, you put your hands up or we're going to arrest you as well. And you go, what the fuck are you talking about? You're not just taking my stuff. And they are taking your stuff. Mm -hmm. And it becomes the property of the police department. And then if you want to get your stuff back, you can't sue them. You, your laptop has to sue them. Your laptop. <laughs> so, so the case is silver 15 inch Apple <laughs> MacBook pro versus state of Colorado. <laughs> and, wow. and to just to give you an idea of how big of a problem this is, take all take the total value of burglaries that happen in the united states over the course of the year all of them civil asset forfeiture is all of that amount plus another 60 percent. oh my jesus God. and the police department it's legal for them so then your laptop files a lawsuit let's say against the police department and wins that lot that laptop has already been sold they sold it right away, took the cash and, and kept it. If you, if your laptop wins that lawsuit against them, then you're paid back with taxpayer dollars, not the, not the money from the police department. And never, wow. the, never the amount that it took to actually get that case through and everything else. It doesn't even touch no. it. You can, you can sue them for the value of that. Plus your attorney's fees. Uh, you can get your attorney's fees covered, but, um, 
but this is how they finance. This is how they, they come up with budget gaps, you know, when there's gaps in the budget and they fill that they, they bank on civil asset forfeiture. I mean, look at wow. some of the examples in Tennessee. There's a, there's a, a, an interstate that runs North and South through Tennessee and that and cops just sit there and pull people over and take their stuff all day long. Cause they say, wow. Oh, well, this is a, a drug trafficking route. Wow. So, yeah. and, 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 and they can, and by the way, they can take all of that stuff that they find in your cars, sell it, use that money to fly everybody in the police force to Hawaii for a conference and it's legal and it's been done and it has gone through the court wow. system and it was held up to be legal. So this is, this is a, I mean, if you've ever had an interaction with the police and, and they took your stuff under civil asset forfeiture, you're never going to like the police from that point on. So they can oh, do as yeah. much training. They can go back to their men in blue with the, with the nice hats and hi, hi there. And nice apple pie cooling on your windowsill. And they, they can do all that all day long. And they're still going to have a huge percentage of the people that say, fuck you stay away from me. You guys are worse than the gangs that you pretend to arrest. So the same intimidation um, that's, factor. <laughs> it, that's fucked up. How is that legal? Exactly. How is it legal? Well, it started in some states. There start people are starting to really push back against it. I mean, it's it's five, it's over five billion dollars worth of materials that the police departments are keeping from wow. from this. Wow! And they're selling cash. it right away. You got That's cash because you're going to go buy a used car. You're a guy. You're you're just a guy. You you saw you answered an ad on Craigslist. You've got you went to the bank. You got sixteen thousand dollars in cash out. You know for this for this you're going to buy this car. You're driving to the place. You get pulled over. Cops go. What are you doing with all that cash? You go. I'm going to buy a car. They go. No, you're not. You're a drug dealer. And they keep it. I actually that just happens a lot. Had a conversation uh, with Dwayne. Um, uh, last weekend, he was talking about how him and his wife had been traveling and they had 20K in cash in a zip-up bag. And they were freaking out because in the state of California, anything over 9999, you are supposed to get an armored car to transport it so that they get their cut off of your funds transferring the amount that you want. And he was like, yeah. And here's the crazy part. Cops have a scanner that they can use to detect overages in cash being transported for the purpose of drug trading and things like that when it's still your money it, you can pull 20 grand out of the bank which by the way that has to be done in increments too that's tough um, to do yeah that's tough to do as well you it's hard to get your money out in the amount that you want without having to go through hoops as well but if you are it's actually a misdemeanor to transport over ten thousand dollars at any one point and then if you have 20, 30, 40,000, it's a misdemeanor per 10,000 that they catch you with. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, why, why do people hate government? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the cops, especially the traffic cops, I have a huge problem with because they're just revenue generators. I, I yeah. posted a meme about it the other day where I see it every day. I, I'm a courier, so I see cops all the fucking time and these motorcycle cops sit on the freeway waiting for someone to go 20 miles over the speed limit so that they can go uh 30 miles over the speed limit to catch them and cite them for unsafe driving for going 20 miles over the speed limit it's fucking as, ridiculous as they, as they weave in and out of traffic at 110 miles an hour to try and yeah. catch up to this person that's for a, unsafe yeah. driving to, yeah. because it's about safety yeah. yeah that's the problem is that is that you don't you don't have to be uh a member of Mensa to figure out that it is a problem when the police view you as a revenue, as a, as a potential revenue uh, 
piece of revenue for them, they pull you over and shake you down in the form of tickets and ticket quotas and things like that. Yep. Oh yeah. It's like we've lost sight of what the purpose is. The police was, were there to protect and serve, not to uh, shake you down for more money to fund their their operations. I mean, not to harass and douche. Well, let's talk about this yeah. then. I don't know if you've heard about this uh, little revenue money-making thing that they do. So uh, you know about the lights that flash because they have the cameras on it. And uh, so they take pictures and this, and that, and the other. So we ended up finding this out. Uh, my brother-in-law, David, he was looking into and reading the fine print of the county because we have a couple in uh, Reading. And I got dinged on one of them, and I'll explain that in a minute. But we ended up finding out that the actual contract that the state or county has to the company who makes the cameras and the uh, technology for them, that company that makes them guarantees upon employment of the camera's services a particular amount of revenue a month to the police department and the county. So here's how they do that and here's how they generate it. If they're making the amount of flash tickets that they need, they lengthen the yellow light. If they are not making the amount that was guaranteed by the camera company to the state or county, they shorten the yellow light. So this was all in the fine printed contract. I remember him pulling it up. You can t you could read it and people were starting to talk about it, this, that and the other. And that was almost identically what happened. Um, I had pulled across a one way four lane street into the far right lane to make a right hand turn at the light. As I'm pulling across four lanes of traffic and coming up to the crosswalk, it was yellow. In my opinion, from the time it turned yellow to the time I should have been past my right-hand turn, um, it was more than enough time. That, that light should have stayed yellow. It turned red right before I crossed the first white line of that crosswalk without making a complete stop, and I got dinged for running a red light. Even though my momentum during the green to yellow stage was still completely normal, and this is also what I thought about, at the time that it would have turned red, the other light wouldn't have turned green yet, I was looking left, none of the cars had even started their momentum moving towards, and if a cop had been there, he wouldn't have pulled me over. Right. But because they have 17 pictures all within one second of me running a yellow light, or a red light clearly, being behind mm -hmm. both lines of the crosswalk, $495, not contestable. <laughs> Well, they're, they're, they are contestable now. Some of them are because they're, we're starting to see um, judges saying that uh, going back in and saying any ticket issued by this company um, is null and void and, and allowing people to retroactively go back and get their, their ticket money paid back to them. Oh, nice. Huh. In some cases. So you're going to have to look that up. I wish I knew exactly where that was happening, but I remember reading it going, oh, good job. Someone is stepping up and fighting back yeah. against the, 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 the judge was like, this is totally unconstitutional. You can't do, or whatever it was, or illegal. Yeah. He's like, this is illegal. This is, none of this stuff works. And, 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 and he was, and he had the city managers in there. He's saying, how dare you guys authorize this and put this in, in, in as crooked as this is and how it's run. And, and he was, he was really I wish I could had that article in front of me. I would, I would, I'd send it to you. But it, it was, um, look, it's, 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 it's shitty when, when you do stuff like that, and yeah. and, and people don't forget either. They no. they they go, well, this is not about safety. It's not about making us safer. It's about no. it's about it's about shaking us down, and nobody appreciates that. And um, 
and when you let private companies involved in, in, in doing that, you're going to get you're going to get bad results for sure. Well, and they have more of an incentive to uh, ticket people that look like they have a nice car and they pay their mm-hmm. insurance and all that because they know they'll pay the ticket. There's no there's no point in giving some beater car, you know, with expired registration a ticket for speeding. He's never going to fucking pay it. He'd probably just right. rather go to jail. I got a good a good one for you. My my wife got a speeding ticket a, a years ago in Kansas where she was just flying. You know, as you do like a hundred, like a hundred miles an hour in a 65 or something like that. <laughs> and, um, and she was concerned that it was going to go on her record and, and really mess up her insurance. So she was talking to, uh, somebody she knew who, who, who was friends with a, a, a police officer of all, of all people. And, and they said, no, they said, I, this is what you do. You, you take the ticket, which she got the ticket. You pay, you pay the, let's say the fine was $400. You, you pay, you, you write out the check for $410 and send it into them. They cash that $410 check. Then they send you a refund for the $10 overage that you paid. And you take that check and you rip it up and don't ever cash it because then it'll stay as pending in their system and it will never fully process and go on your record. Because <laughs> it's not officially closed Loopholes. out. Loopholes. You cash your overage check that you'd sent them too much, and then it zeroes out in the system. But as long as you don't cash that check, he was like, it will stay in perpetual, like, suspended mode there. That is brilliant. And so that's what she did, and it never went on a record. That <laughs> is awesome. That it worked. Or oh, not, my God, but I was like, I like that. I mean, you still had to pay the money, but at least it didn't go on your record. You know? Yeah. Oh, that awesome. is good to know. I love it. <laughs> That's right now, right. right now, police departments that are listening to this are updating their policies as we <laughs> <No shit. laughs> right. no well, uh, ready to wrap this thing up, buddy? Sure. All right. Well, thanks for coming on again. We always love having you on and uh, glad Ben got to say hi to you this time. Yeah, man. It was really good to talk to you. Uh, yeah, sorry good to, I good to the talk other to you ones. too. Good to talk to you too. We always have a, we always have a fun time. It's like, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. It's I don't like know. Every day there's there's some new insanity going on, so it's not like we're going to run out of things. Well, and there's do. always there's yeah. always new angles to old insanity as well. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. And I appreciate new angles to old insanity because uh, sometimes the old insanity gets so boring that uh, <laughs> I love when someone comes up with a with a new suggestion that we can we go. What if what if aliens did this? Oh shit! All right, I'm with you. Let's go, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> World War Two. Hellboy was real. What the fuck? Really? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I, so I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, and uh, you know we'll do it again too. <laughs> Hell yeah. And if uh, if you got another open slot on Union of the Unwanted, I'd love to join again. Uh, Absolutely. We're 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 uh we're putting how how's your knowledge of cryptids? Oh, I love that stuff. Okay, well then we'll we'll send you a link for uh not not this monday but next monday we're doing cryptids i don't we never really oh, know what we're doing from one one, one <laughs> no, that'll be uh that'll be awesome i'm on vacation so i can actually make it at uh four o'clock or whenever you guys start cool yeah that's when we do it so i'll, I'll make sure you get a link for it and guys Hell can yeah. jump in there and talk about i mean it is it is not my area of expertise so we're gonna get some we're gonna get some people on there that um you know can talk to us about i don't know mothman oh uh, yeah <laughs> werewolves that stuff's super I'm interesting up, i'm up for all of it cool deal all right man yeah, we'll uh talk to you next time all right thanks guys right, thank you right. bye bye, bye. bye.